help, but just, you know, it just, it just gives me some kind of feeling in my bones. And I didn't grow up, I didn't grow up in a, in a, in a church. And so, like, sometimes, you know, sometimes we got to get back to the basics, right? Sometimes we have to go back and just get back to, to simple scripture. We have to get back to simple, simple worship. And, and man, whenever I hear that, I, I'll fly away. Like, it just, God, it just, it just gets me going. I don't know what it is, man. It just gets me so excited. So I, I'm super excited to be here this morning. I'm super excited to, to get into the Word. I'm super excited to just uh, be here with you guys, to be with my family, to be with my church family, man. I get so excited for Sundays because I know that whenever I walk into these doors that I'm just going to be embraced by family, right? I'm just going to be with my people, right? That's, that's what I believe about you guys, that you are my people, and I hope that you believe the same about me. This morning... We're going to talk about something that actually is similar to that. It's going to look a little different than what we usually do because we usually uh, go through one piece of scripture, we go verse for verse, and then uh, we, we preach exegetically. But this morning we have a different, a different task, right? So I'm going to teach you about a word that uh, me and Bobby, me and Bobby love this word, okay? It's a Greek term that is used mostly, is used in the New, the New Testament. And it's used to kind of help us understand about this fellowship that we have uh, within believers, within people who call themselves Christians, within people who, who call Jesus uh, the king of their soul, right? And we're, go, we're gonna get to the word in just a little bit, uh, but before we get there, I uh, just wanna help you see that this word means that we have an authentic, it's an authentic fellowship. It's an authentic community with each other, right? It's something that we can't have with people who don't believe in what we believe in. It's something that only we can have together as one body. And the big question today is what does that look like? What does it look like to have authentic community? And why is it so important, right? Because we come here every Sunday, we come to this, this, uh, the small church right on, on the east side of Spartanburg. And a lot of us don't live from around here, but we still drive 30 minutes, you know, 45 minutes just to come here, to worship here, to hear teaching here. And we don't have a big show. We don't have lights. We don't have this crazy worship band. We don't have these, this smoke coming from under the stage, right? We don't have this, you know, I, I think that I'm a pretty good teacher, but you could probably find better teaching somewhere else, right? Like, I don't have, I don't have a degree in, in teaching about the Bible. You could find better teaching probably somewhere else. But for some reason, we still come all the way to Clifton to be together, to worship together, and to learn about Jesus together. And there's some, I think there's something that we could understand about that. Because what we can understand is that this type of community is different, right? We, we can agree on that, right? It's different. We come in here, and we have visitors all the time who come in, and their uh, motive is to come, visit, and then hop on out of here, all right? Because they, they, they come, and they have this drive all the way up here in the sticks, right? We're all, all the way up in the backwoods. They come, and on the way here, they're like, man, this is, we're out here, man. I don't, I don't understand I don't know if we're going to make it out of here. Some people might come in here and they might not make it out. But they come in and they, they get to experience something that's different. And because of something that is different, it, it stirs something in their soul. It stirs something in them that keeps them uh, wanting to come back. 
right? It's, it's, it's Jesus. But even with Jesus, there's something about the community that he has given us here. There's something about, about the people that he has given us here. It's different than community that we could find, right? Because we, we live in a, in a generation where, you know, now we have like CrossFit, right? People go to CrossFit and they go to CrossFit not because, I don't think they go because of the workout, right? Because we could go work out at any, any small gym. I go to a small gym in Inman like once a month. I'm a regular, okay? I go, I go consistently, consistently once a month. If anyone asks me if I go to the gym, yes, I go consistently. We don't have to talk about the once a month, but I go. But people who go to CrossFit go, go like six, seven days a week, and I just can't. I, I'm, not, I'm not built like that. I'm not like them, okay? But they go not only for the workout, but they go for the community, because there's people who are just like them, who have the same goals as them, and they form bond, and they keep coming back. And so there's something that we can take note of with that right there, that people continue to come back. But you can find it, you know, CrossFit, you can find it, they got like book clubs, you know, mom's clubs, I mean, what, coffee clubs, I mean, they got everything. You can find something, but there's something different about this community because we all like different things. We all come from different places. We all have different backgrounds. But somehow, we're all still here together on a Sunday morning. Praise God. What I want you to understand is that our souls, at the very being, at the very core, like Sarah Grace said during worship, our souls at the very being, at the very core, were created to worship. But there's another thing. I believe that they were also created to be in community, right? To be in community. And that's one thing that we strive for at this church. And so what we're going to talk about today with this word, we're also going to talk about small groups. Right? Small groups just started. We're, we're fresh out, just one week out. And I want you guys to understand that small groups are so important. It's an important weapon that we have against the enemy. Because if we can continue to stay in community with believers that are just like us, that believe in the same God that we believe in, the same God that created the universe, that sent his son to down across for our sins so that we would not have to be separated from him, man, we got, something, we got something that other people don't have. We have to understand what kind of power that gives us. We have resurrection power. I believe that. I believe that 100%. Our souls were created to be in community, in relationship with the Father and with other believers, right? Because if we're all believers and we are all brothers and sisters, now back to this word. There's a word that we use, uh, that the writers of the New Testament use to define this different community, this authentic community. And it's called, Bobby, what's it called? Koinonia. Koinonia. Can y'all say that with me one time? Koinonia. Say it? All right, let's try to say it together. I, that, that's, that's bad on my part. I should have I led better, okay? I'm going to count to three, and then we're all going to say it together. One, two, three. Koinonia. Look, we're a chorus. Sergey, you know we have a chorus here? You need to, we need to do something here. We need to go to some, uh, some events. Uh, yes, koinonia is used to explain this authentic, this different community, this fellowship that we have. One, one and first, first and foremost, with God, with the Creator, with our Father. But also, second, with each other. We have fellowship. We have this community, this different kind of community with each other. And the first time that it's used 
is in Acts 2. In the early church, like uh, Jesus had just ascended up to, heaven, up to heaven. He gave the Great Commission. And now the disciples are going out and they're preaching about his word. They're trying to make disciples of all nations, right? As it says in the, in the Great Commission, teaching them to obey the commands that he's given. And in Acts 2, verse 42, it says this. It says, uh, you know, they, they had just preached and, and called people to, to follow Jesus. And uh, thousands, it says thousands of people uh, had made the decision to follow Christ. And with that decision, it says this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. To the fellowship, that's the word, koinonia, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone who was filled with, or everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. All things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as, had, as any had need. Every day, they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day, the Lord added to the number of those who were being saved. So early in this chapter, like I said, we saw uh, it's, it's actually 3,000 people makes a decision to follow Christ. And immediately after this, they begin uh, uh, just giving everything up to follow Jesus and to be with people who are just like them, who are following Jesus just like they are. It says they devoted themselves. When you devote yourself to something, it means you give everything that you have for that cause, for what you believe in. They devoted, withholding nothing. Everything that they had, they gave because it meant nothing to them if they didn't have Jesus, if they didn't have Christ. This newfound uh, relationship that they had with Jesus Christ meant everything. It meant that without that, nothing else mattered. Nothing else mattered. And what we've seen now is that we have to be bought in, right? We have so many, uh, like, football teams, right? Football just started, praise God. Like, we made it. We made it, right? Yesterday, I was watching football all day. All right, we, we have, all right, this is a side point. We have Spectrum, right? And Spectrum has this whole thing where, like, they're fighting with ESPN, and ESPN decided to, like, pull all their channels from Spectrum. So I was freaking out on Thursday night because we had just started watching this game, and after kickoff, they pulled it. And so the screen just goes black, and I'm, like, about to throw my TV from the second floor of our, like, we, we live on the second floor in an apartment, almost threw it out the window. But I found out that, you know, we, Brittany made a post on, on Facebook, and she's like, what, 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 should, what should we do? And people was like, YouTube TV, get YouTube TV. And so we got YouTube TV, and Grayson and Taylor, pastor of down, downtown, they said, get YouTube TV because you can do this thing where you can watch four screens at one time, four football games at one time. Game changer, okay? I'm t- game changer, all right? We can pull this, we can, I can pull this into the, to the sermon. Look, they were all in unity. I was watching them all in unity. <laughs> 
all right, at the same time, four games, one time, changed my life, all right? Like, Jesus, YouTube TV, okay? So, no free, no free ads, all right? We're not sponsored by YouTube TV, but I'm just letting you know, if you don't got it and you like to watch football, just do it. Anyways, all right, what we've seen with football programs, such as, like, we can use Clemson, I guess, as, as an example, right? Their, their head coach, his name is Dabo Sweeney, and whenever he came to the football program, he started this, like, motto, right? And the motto was all in. He said, we want our players to be all in. Everything that they have, we want them to give to the football program. And because of that, they won, like, two championships or something like that. I don't know, what, whatever. Um, but in the same way, right, let's, let's bring it back to Scripture, after these people made this decision to follow Christ and they started uh, uh, having this community with other believers, they were all in, right? That's what this word devoted means. It means that this, this came first and everything else was secondary. It literally says that they sold everything that they had so that they could continue to be in this community. If we have Jesus in common, we have everything that we need to be in common, right? To be in unity, that's what that means. It means that no, no matter where you came from, no matter what your background was, no matter what it was like whenever you grew up, no matter what you're struggling with right now, this week, last month, last year, whatever you're dealing with, right? If we have Jesus in common, we have everything we need. So there, there's nothing that you should be withholding whenever you walk into these doors, right? Whatever sin you're dealing with, whatever str- you're struggling with, right? And not even what you're struggling with, whatever is going great in your life. Like, we can praise. We can praise God because of what uh, is going great, right? But we can also pray when things aren't going so great. And so we have to be able to, to understand that we have this community at, at our hands that are ready. Like, we're ready. Whenever, whenever you come in here, there's people that are ready to pray for you. This morning, before everyone got here, we were praying in a circle right here. And we were praying for you, for our community. Because we believe that God has given us this specific community, each and every single one of you, for a specific purpose. And you have purpose here. You have purpose outside of these doors. When we have unity in Jesus and the community around us, there will be life change. And it, says, it speaks to uh, verse 47 specifically. Uh, it says, Every day the Lord added to their number those who are being saved. See, it's, it's not about numbers. It's not about how many people are sitting in these seats. It's not, it's not about uh, if every seat in this uh, sanctuary was filled. It's about the number of, of people who are going through life change. It's about next steps, right? Because we could fill these seats every single week, but if we're filling them with people who aren't experiencing life change, what are we doing? What are we doing? That's why it's so important that whenever new people come in here, that we make a connection with them. We make a relationship with them. Grayson's getting everybody's phone number as soon as they walk in here. It's super weird, right? Super weird. As soon as they walk in, hey, man, what's your number? What? I'm never coming back here. But he gets their number so that he can meet up with them, you know, after service, during the week, so he can grow in connection with them, so he can learn a little bit about them. So he can invite them into a relationship with Jesus and invite them into this community. Because we want people, like, this isn't, this isn't some secret that we're trying to keep from people. We want to invite people in. We want everybody to understand and take part in what we have. Because this is different. 
It's different. And once you're here, oh man, the life change is incredible. Like I remember, you know, speaking now from like before, like a couple years ago before I got married, like I've, I've been through, through so much life change and I've been a Christian since 2015. So it's not to say that life change only happens whenever you make the decision to follow Christ. Life change continues to happen because we continue to grow. We continue to make mistakes. We continue to, to fall, right? We're just like children. We continue to fall, but we also understand that there is a God that is ready to pick us up and he's never going to leave us behind. It all starts with teaching, with fellowship, and with prayer. And it's Christ-centered. And this is what we've made our small groups. Our small groups, right, whenever you come, you're going to be welcomed into someone's living room, most likely. And don't worry about all the toys, right? Don't worry about the mess. Don't worry about the, you know carpet that needs to be vacuumed or whatever. We don't have a vacuum that works. I'm speaking, I'm speaking personally here, okay? <laughs> All right, just, just don't worry about it. But what you can understand, what you can believe, what you can know is that whenever you come, we're going to have teaching that is completely centered on learning more about Jesus on our level throughout the week. What you can understand is that we're going to have fellowship. We're going to be together in one community, in one, in one space, growing closer to each other as we grow closer to Christ. And what you can understand is that we're going to be ready to pray. We're going to pray a couple times. We're going to continue to ask you if you have something that you, need, that, you, that you want to pray for. Even if you don't feel like you can raise your hand on a Sunday, right? Because it can be super hard to, to be in this space and, and to feel worthy enough to raise your hand. And so we've created a space in small groups where we're going to ask you, hey man, do you need prayer? And if you don't want to say that you need prayer in front of the group of people, wait till everybody leaves. And we'll pray with you after. We'll pray with you one-on-one. We'll pray with you as a group. And we'll pray with you right now during service. We're ready to pray for you. We want to be there for you. Koinonia is more than community, than just community. It's a different kind of fellowship. And another part, we're going to be in, we were in Acts 2, but we're also going to be in Philippians 2, right? So if you want to go ahead and flip there, we're going to be there for, for the rest. Um, in Philippians 2, Paul gives us insight into what this different community looks like, what it looks like on a, on a different level. In Philippians 2. So in Philippians, uh, Paul's, Paul's writing, uh, he's actually on house arrest, during the time that he's writing this letter, and he's writing it to the church in Philippi. The church in Philippi was actually the first church that he planted. And it's about 11 11 years before he writes this letter, he plants this church. And so he's writing with encouragement and gratitude because the church of Philippi uh, continues to send him uh, money and just things that he needs to, to support him and his ministry. Pastor Plug, if you want to tithe, you can start this week, right? If you want to tithe, there's a couple people, you know, if you need to start tithing, you can. You can start whenever you want. Uh, so in Philippians 2, we're going to start in verse 1. We're just going to read the first two verses. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy... 
Make my joy complete by thinking the same way, having the same love, united in spirit and intent on one purpose. One purpose. He says, in humility, consider others as more important than yourselves. In a different translation, it says, in humility, value others more than you value yourself. And I, I have, I have a, um, I've, dealt, I've dealt with this on my own. Because whenever we uh, invite people into our home, I value others more than I value myself by allowing them to stay in my house until 8.30, right? Because especially on a Monday night, you know, football's about to start. You know, Monday night football at 8 o'clock. I mean, we're, we're running into some scheduling conflicts here. Uh, also, I value Blake. I value Blake by making sure that we're done by 8.15. Because if we're not done by 8.15, Blake's giving me an, a side eye, and I can see it, and it makes me super uncomfortable. Because he's just like, hey, man, it's, it's, it's time to go, okay? I, I'm just going to be frank with you. It's time to go. And I, I'm not staying here any longer. You know, Marley's trying to stay and, and talk with Brittany, and Blake's just like sitting, standing by the door. He's already got the baby ready and everything. Just like, can we go? <laughs> Are we going to stay the night? We didn't bring clothes. Um, no, but in all, in all seriousness, what they're talking, to, what uh, Paul is talking about is having humility and, and loving others, right? Love God, love others, loving others more than you love yourself. And in James uh, uh, 4, 6, he says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. He says, this, the specific part that we want to concentrate on is in humility. We should take a humble stance uh, whenever we're loving others because we can't love others in pride. We can't uh, value others when we're prideful. Pride leads us to isolation, but humility leads us to community, right? I, I, struggle with, I used to struggle with pride, right? A, a lot of men, hands up, struggle with pride. It's just, you know, uh, I'm glad people put their hands up. I, I wasn't asking, but I mean, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Probably all men, right, more than most, have struggled with pride at some point. Pride is the enemy uh, of humility. And in my personal story, uh, I was dealing with pride many years, well, not many years ago, but a couple years ago, and it led me to this fall to where I ran to isolation. I separated myself from the church. Whenever I separated myself from the church, I made some decisions and fell into even more sin, right, that led to shame, it led to guilt, and it led me to this place where I didn't feel like I was worthy enough to come back to church, right? Because there was a point where I was ready to come back to church, but I felt so much shame, so much guilt, this heaviness, this weight on my shoulders, I felt like I, didn't, I couldn't come back. It was too late. It was too late, so I was just going to stay in my sin. I was just going to stay in my shame, stay in my guilt, and be separated from this community that God had given me. Well, what I'm telling you today is that you don't have to stay there. You don't have to stay in isolation. You don't have to continue to allow yourself to believe that you can't come back. There's a couple people that have come and joined this community. And whenever they join this community, they, they get closer to their purpose and the purpose that God has for their life and being in community, not only with the Father, but with other believers. And you know what happens then? Satan sees. 
Satan knows that you're getting closer to God's purpose for your life. Whenever he sees that, he puts obstacles in your way, right? He, let, he, let, he, let, he puts, you know, puts things in front of you that you, could, that you could run to instead of running to your community, right? And then whenever you make that decision, then the guilt comes. Then the shame comes. And you allow yourself to believe that you can't come back. I'm thinking of someone specifically that has dealt with this. And they're not a part of our church anymore. And it breaks my heart because I know how much he is broken. It breaks my heart because I know how much we love and care about this person. It breaks my heart because we've reached out to this person multiple times. And, and, and we're still reaching out and we're still here and we're still ready to receive. But you have to make the decision to come back. We can't force you. We can't, we can't come to your house and chain you up to our car and say, hey, man, you're coming to church. It just doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. You have to make a decision on your own that, hey, I'm not going to listen to what Satan says. I'm not going to listen to what Satan says is the purpose for my life. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to focus on what God has for me. I'm going to focus on the community that God has given me and listen to them. We have to get away from this, I'm just focusing on me right now kind of mentality, right? I'm just doing me, right? I'm, I'm just doing me right now. We have to get away from that. Have you ever heard of fight or flight? Well, that's the flight mentality. Is I'm just doing me right now. Because it's only led by shame and guilt because of sin. And it's, and it, we know, right, that adversity will come. We know that after we make a decision to follow Christ, that it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be rainbows and butterflies. There will be adversity. And I, I heard this, this quote, uh, and I can't remember where I heard it, but it said, adversity doesn't make us who we are. It shows us who we are. Whenever something tough happens in your life, it doesn't make you or break you. It shows who you are. It shows, and I, I believe, it shows who or what you belong to. Because whenever we deal with shame and guilt and sin, we, could, we, we have to make a choice. There's a choice that we can either run to the shame, the guilt, the sin, or we could run to the Father. Or we could run to the, to the altar in a way. But because of this guilt and the shame, we continue to run away because it makes us feel comfortable. We start to get comfortable in our own sin comfortable in our own shame because we don't want to deal with it. We have to stop running to the shadows and run to the sun. Take that whatever way you want. The sun or the sun. You know what I'm saying? Uh, in Genesis 3, right, whenever uh, the fall happens, right, Adam and Eve, Eve, you know, bites the apple. Well, they both bite the apple and then uh, whenever they hear God coming into the garden, they hide. And God asked, where are you? And Adam answers and said, I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know you were coming, so I hid. Why would he hide? Because of guilt. Because he knew that God had told him that there was only one tree in the garden that you cannot eat from. And he ate from that tree. And so because he disobeyed the father, he decided to hide. And that was in his guilt and in his shame. But... God made, you know, end of the story, God made a way for him, to, for him out, 
You know, it wasn't the end of the story. The story uh, kept going. There's an epidemic of loneliness going on. In this generation, in this world that we live in right now, there are so many people that are struggling with being alone. There are so many people that are running right to the shadows of loneliness, and we don't know how to solve this problem. And I believe we don't know because we're not looking in the right place, because it's right here, right? God has given us every answer to every question, and it's right here. And, and as I get ready to close, Justin, if you want to, I'm getting ready to close. See, I told you, I was only going to be, you know, about 30 minutes. Uh, um, there was a study done by Harvard, right? So if, if you don't trust me, trust Harvard. I'm, I'm going to tell you about this study that was done by Harvard, and it was done uh, for more than 80 years. It was done by more than 80 years, and throughout this 80-year period, they were following people. I mean, the people knew that they were following them, but they would meet up with them and tell them about how their life was going on and this whole thing. It was all for a study. I'm sure they were getting paid. Uh, And it was called the Good Life Study. It was called the Good Life Study. You can look it up. I promise this is real. What they found is that Harvard, at the end of the study, agrees with what the Bible says about what really makes you happy, about this good life. It started in the late 1930s, uh, and they were following Harvard prodigies, so uh, kids that were from Harvard families and that would end up going to Harvard themselves. And they also followed poor kids from the inner city of Boston. So we're getting like rich, rich, like rich of the rich, and then we're getting like poor of the poor and, and middle class almost. And what it was is it was a longitudinal study for 80 years. And the question was, what makes people happy? At the end of your life, what would make you say that I had a good life? Again, it was done for over 80 years. And what they found in this study, and this is a quote, they found that close relationships mean more than money or fame, and that those relationships are better predictors of long happy life better than social class, status, IQ, or genes? The answer all along was good relationships. The relationships that they talk about are deeper. It's deeper than surface level. It's deeper than whenever I come to church, hey, how how are you doing? Good, good, good. I'm gonna get in my seat and sit down. We're gonna get through this sermon. Tyler's preaching, so it's going to be about 30 minutes. We're going to get out here and get lunch early. It's deeper than surface. It's, hey, man, how are you doing? Hey, I'm actually struggling. This week hasn't been so great. It's, it's relationships that offer deeper, spiritual fruit. It's relationships that are meant for more. It's relationships that are different. Again, back to Genesis 2, God says it is not good for man to be alone. And why does he say that? Because it's true. It's not good for us to be alone, for us to run to this loneliness, for us to run and just say, hey man, I'm doing me. When on the inside, you're struggling with every reason not to go back 
to community. We are made in the image of God and God has existed forever in three persons. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's the Trinity. They are the same and different. And if God lives in a relationship, why do you think that you don't have to? Why do you think that you don't need community? When God is community. When we accept this call to follow Jesus, we understand that at the beginning of time, he existed. And when the time was right, God sent him down from heaven to die on a cross for us. And when he died for us, he carried all of our sin, our guilt, our shame into the grave. And when he did that, he defeated everything. He defeated Satan in the grave and he rose on the third day. He rolled the stone away. And when he did that, he created in us community. He created a way for us to have community with the Father, with the Son, with the Holy Spirit, and with each other. What we have to understand is that this community is available, but we have to be willing to take a step. We have to be willing to take a step in obedience to come to small group, to come to church, to, get, uh, uh, to start volunteering. We have, to, we have to become a part of this church. There are millions of people right now that are struggling in the shadows of loneliness. And the odds are that there are some people that are struggling with loneliness in this church right now. The odds are is that there's someone sitting in one of these seats that feels like they're alone feels like they don't have anyone around them, any community, anyone to comfort them, anyone to talk to, they feel absolutely alone. And, and what I want to tell you today is that you don't have to. You don't have to be alone. Community is available and it's right here in front of you. On Sundays and throughout the week, you have community here. And I wasn't, I wasn't planning on going to this place, but I, I, there's one more place I want to go to. And then I promise you, I promise you, I'll be, I'll be finished. And it's in uh, John 17. You don't have to flip there if you don't want to. Um, but in John 17, Jesus, before he goes to the cross, he prays. And he, and he prays for you. Right? Did you know that? Did you know that Jesus prayed for you? Specifically for you before he went to the cross. And John, it's in John 17, it's starting in verse 20. He prays for his disciples, right, specifically. And then he prays, well, first he prays for himself, then he prays for his disciples, and then he prays for you. He says, I pray not only for these, but also for those who believe in me through their word. That's us. That's us. May they all be one as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. It's for the glory of Jesus that we are here today. It's for the glory of Jesus that we have small groups. It's for the glory of Jesus that we are in community. And only Jesus. Then he says this, I am in them and you are in me. So that they may be made completely one. That the world may know 
you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Right? That the world may know. Because when we're all together, the world has to be put on notice. The world knows that something is different. Because we offer this different community. And the only answer, the only answer of how we could all meet in the same place coming from different people, coming from different backgrounds, different uh, races, different beliefs, is Jesus. The only answer is Jesus. And he goes on to say, Father, I want, I want those you have given me to be with where I am. Jesus wants you to be, to be uh, with him in heaven. Jesus wants you. He doesn't want you to be eternally separated from the Father, from himself. He wants you to be with him so that they will see my glory, which you have given me because you loved me before the world's foundation. Righteous Father, the world has not known you, however I have known you, and they have known that you sent me. I made your name known to them and will continue to make it known so that the love you have loved me with may be with them and I may be in them. Today you have a decision. And the decision is to uh, be in community, right? I kind of I keyed the same, and, and I haven't got it, uh, I haven't got it, what's, what's the word? I haven't got it um, trademarked. I haven't got it trademarked. I need to do it. I got it on a shirt already, but it's called unity and community. Because unity is literally in the word community. And what we have at this church is unity and community. But what I also want you to understand is that there is this word koinonia. And koinonia is is different. It's more than just unity and community. It's fellowship. It's a different kind of community that we have with God and with each other. So if you walk away with anything today, I want you to walk away with that. Walk away knowing, like just go into work Go tell your friends, hey, I have koinonia. And they have no idea what you're talking about. So then you can explain it and invite them to a small group. Invite them to the church. Invite them into a relationship with Jesus because they, this koinonia is different. This relationship is different. So let's pray. Dear God, thank you for uh, this morning. Thank you for everything that you have done for us. Thank you for uh, this relationship that we get to have with you, Father. Thank you for this relationship that we get to have with each other because of you, Jesus. God, I pray as we go into our weeks, as we, as we leave this place, God, that we would go with a spirit uh, that wants community. A spirit that doesn't run from community into isolation, but a spirit that runs to you and to the community that you have given us, God. I pray if there is anyone in here that needs to make a next step and join a small group, uh, join, uh, start volunteering, God, that they, I, I pray that you would allow them to make that decision, that you would press on their hearts that it's time. It's time. God, we love you. We praise you. It's in your name that I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us this week. We hope you were encouraged by the message. At ID Clifton, we exist to love God, love others, and make disciples. To learn more about ID Clifton, including our gathering times, small groups, and events, please visit us at idclifton.com. We'll see you next time.